Welcome to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Southwest Washington's number one show for real estate news and information. Without further ado, here are your hosts and a couple of guys who as busy realtors and successful brokerage owners know a thing or two about real estate. Steve Nassar of Premier Property Group and Joe Fistolo of Soldera Properties. How are you guys doing? Good to be doing back. Doing fabulous. Great to be back. Thanks, gentlemen, for the opportunity. I love hanging out with you guys. Yeah. We, we yeah, love yeah, having you on the show. It's a it's an awesome perspective. Justin's coming back as a repeat guest host, <laughs> and he has this huge history, and you have some recent changes. What are you doing now? Yeah, appreciate it. So for those that, that have, I guess, have followed my journey a little bit, I still coach real estate agents, have a group of agents that I coach. Title reps have a group of them, but I was recently hired to be the CEO of a company called Pro Insight. If you're familiar with my book, The Upstream Model, this will be very relevant to you that in that book, I teach real estate agents and other professionals how to get business from other professionals. Typically, most people get business from their friends and family and neighbors and past clients and or they prospect for it. And in that book, I teach a model of leveraging the existing relationships of other professionals who serve your same client. And so because of that book, actually, I was discovered and went through kind of a vetting process and was hired to run a company that, that does something completely in sync with my book. What I'd realized, what I've realized is that I, I have been coaching real estate agents, this model and this concept, and it's working. However, I've also now compared it to having one basketball player on the court who knows all the plays and the other four don't, right? That's what it looks like to go when you understand the principles of the upstream model and you're a real estate agent and you step out meeting with an estate attorney, meeting with a tax professional, right? Meeting with these other professionals, they don't know that same model. They're just used to what's always been done, which isn't very effective. And so what we do at ProInsight is we're, we're actually training all the professionals, the estate attorneys, the financial advisors, the tax professionals, the real estate agents, we train all of them and form them into what we call a wealth advisory team. So we're building out wealth advisory teams across the country, training everybody in that circle, how to not just refer each other. That's kind of the old model of, hey, let's, let's form a leads group and pass referrals. That's not this. What we're doing is we're actually teaching them to integrate their, their services to where you're, instead of just taking a meeting with a client by yourself, you're asking what other professionals could I bring to the table to collaborate with me to serve this client. Maybe not on every appointment, right? But there will be times where you'll have multiple other professionals there, which makes your value proposition way better, both to the client as well as these, these other professionals, because you're bringing them to the table as an introduction to their potential ideal clients. So kind of a new interesting. way to build, interesting. Build How do you, what's the name of your, your company? Pro Insight. Just like Pro it yep. how, do, how do you guys monetize that? So we have a training on the front end that everybody that lands on the network has to go through the certification. Otherwise you bring your old thinking and you keep doing what you've always done, right? And so you have to go through that. So that's an upfront, super affordable. And then there's a membership. So on the back end, we have a membership. Our plan is to, is to build out over the next seven to 10 years, a million professionals on the platform that are leaning into us to learn how to work very collaboratively with other industries, as opposed to working in their own silo, hoping to get a referral from another professional. Again, that's the old model is, let's see if I can position myself to get a referral. We teach you actually how to integrate your practice with other professionals. Mm -hmm. Very brilliant. cool. Very it's cool. brilliant. Yeah. I've, recommended, it, I've yeah. recommended the upstream model to many of our brokers and other people. Thanks, Joe. Uh, 
I thought it was fabulous. And like I said in the last podcast, I gave you two and a half stars because I only made it halfway through the book, but it was a five-star book (laughs) up to the the half the book that I read. And the only reason I stopped reading it is because I do a training class. It's called Referral Partners, which is, there's a lot of overlap. I mean, you you think we cheated off each other's paper, but I'll probably read the second half one of these days and give you the other two and a half stars to make five because it's really out of the box thinking. I thought it was great. I'll send you the audio, Joe. You won't even have to read it. You'll just listen to it. Great. I drive I, I, all the time. Perfect. <laughs> and I do like that it's different. It's it's a different concept. It, I mean, it's there's so much coaching and there's so much you know, advice for agents out there. And th- this is unique. This is definitely unique. And I like the caliber of the professionalism. There's a lot of different ways to get business. And this this is a higher level thinking way, right? Like going, you know, it takes us, it takes a certain amount, certain person and a certain skill set and and confidence to go to, you know, tax advisors and attorneys and try to get business. So I like I like what you're you're promoting there. Cool. That's yeah, awesome. I believe that our industry, as well as any service-based industry out there, is in the crosshairs of big tech, right? The big tech, and they're not mad at service professionals. There's just a lot of money that passes through the hands of service-based professionals. If they can find a way to write an algorithm and pay people less, then they'll do it. And so the way to, you know, there's a number of ways to combat that. And many have, have figured out numerous ways. I believe that one of the key ways is to actually provide more service and better service to the clients. And that that doesn't have to come only from you. You can actually partner with other professionals, bring their value proposition to the table, and now you're distinctly different. Yeah. Where's this company based out of? So based out of Hood River. Okay. And, uh, they're, but, they're local. Yeah. But we're virtual. Yeah. I mean, we're expanding across the country right now. Again, our yeah. plan is to have wealth advisory teams in all 3,200 counties across the country. So awesome. that's where we're located. But yeah, all of our, most all of our, our service is done virtually. So yeah. Awesome. Well, well, let's get into it. Let's do it. it. So I, I didn't do the best intro. I was just so excited when I saw your faces pop up. I was excited that we're doing this again. <laughs> this is a best of masters. And what's going to be really engaging and exciting is we have double the number of topics this time because we haven't done a best of masters in quite some time. We've been doing interviews and we took a month off because of busyness, but we have eight amazing topics that in Masters in Real Estate, the Facebook group, you guys have the most reactions, the most engagement, the most comments, the most reactions. So Steve, you, you want to introduce you know, It the- might be kind of fun to explain to them. And I, I think this is an, an admin thing, but Joe actually has a way on the back end to go into the Masters group and pull up all the all the most engaged comments or threads, whatever you want to call it. And it's like an algorithm that just sorts them by the number of comments, number of likes from the most down to the least. And so when we do this best of masters, we actually, there's an organized methodical way of of combing through there and legitimately seeing what are the things that were most talked about, most most engaged with. And and so that's a, a lot of how we get our topics for this day. Exactly right. And we have 9,000 people in the group. And some of these posts, 5,000 people have seen it. Some of them, one of them had 230 comments, just 
the hottest topics and we're bringing them to you and we can expand a little bit about them more than you can really say in a comment or, or a remark. So I want to just comment that that's a tribute to number one, to the leadership of these gentlemen, but also to the group. I mean, Joe and Steve are awesome, but if this were a group of just them engaging, it wouldn't be that cool. The fact that everybody that's listening to this gets credit for that, that people not only will participate, but they come here to listen, to get answers to what's happening. Like it's, it's very special what's been built here. And, and you know, when to give credit, of course, to the original founder, but everybody here that's listening, you have a part in that. And that's, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. And if, if you're listening to this and you happen to be watching it live with the live Facebook simulcast, you have a chance to be part of the show by commenting and asking your questions on any of these topics we're going to be talking about. And I got too many things on my screen, but Steve's pretty good about seeing when someone has yeah. a comment and he'll read it out. So that's the benefit of seeing it on Facebook Live for the rest of you. It's going to be a week before this gets edited and, and uploaded to all the places where you listen to podcasts. So Definitely. I'm going to dive into the first one. It was written by Lisa Roth Miller. I'm not going to read it verbatim. I'm just going to try and soften it to make sure we don't breach antitrust laws. But what if you are the listing agent and a buyer who isn't a realtor calls you off the sign wanting to represent themselves in hope of saving the BAC, whatever the BAC is? How do you respond to that? So this got thousands of post reach and 61 comments. And I think we've all experienced once or twice before. Steve, what would you do? Well, here's here's the first thing I'll say. First of all, a buyer is never going to know what you gave away or didn't give away as commission. Okay. So what I generally will do in a situation like that is say, look, you know, I'm working with directly with a seller. If you want to work directly with my team, I can place you with one of my team members. And yes, if if it makes sense and and we can find the win-win where some commission is reduced and it helps you feel good about the situation, it helps the seller feel good about the situation and it works out for everybody, let's do it. We, we want to try to find that as well. And the reality is, I don't, beyond that conversation, I'm not going to get into specifics. They don't need to know what was reduced, what wasn't reduced, or if nothing was reduced. Perhaps the seller's willing to take a lower offer. I mean, they just don't, they're never going to need to know. So I'm, I'm happy to have the conversation that, hey, there is a path forward here with what you're trying to accomplish, but I'm not making guarantees or promises. And it's definitely never going to be a conversation of, like, yes, two and a half percent is coming off or whatever percentage is coming off of the sales price right now. Yeah, I think anytime you get so rigid in that it has to be this way, I think you miss out on opportunities. When at the end of the day, regardless of the industry that you're in, right? All of us that are licensed in the real estate industry realize that our job is to serve people and to get them what they want. And sometimes we tend to put on the like the rigid hat before we just have a conversation with people. Say, tell me more about that. Right? And just really get to know them and find out what they want. Sometimes people just want like the, the the personal badge themselves of having negotiated a better deal. So they can go back and tell their friends or have some kind of psychological adrenaline boost. And ultimately, I think you just want to enter into a conversation with these people and find out what they're trying to accomplish and be open. Hey, let's be open to that. Hey, if, if this is the house that you want, let's let's have a conversation. And like like Steve said, I think you can 
you can help them get the feeling that they want without it being detrimental to anybody else necessarily. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Those three words in that statement, Justin, is I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm always saying, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. You really got to boil down to exactly what they're after and what they're looking for. I think this is kind of a case by case thing. I'm becoming more and more of an agent that doesn't like to be a dual agent. I don't really want to do both sides of the same transaction. I have done it when I know both parties and I'm just, someone's really old or I'm trying to save people money. And I just, I do it out of the goodness of my heart, not that I'm trying to get paid on both sides. But if something goes wrong, the commissioner kind of looks at you're guilty until proven innocent. And I still want the liability. And it would be far easier for me to refer them to somebody. They have their own representation. My representation with the seller stays exactly the same. And so if a buyer comes to one of my properties, I very well might call one of my brokers and say, there's a buyer that wants to buy it. How would you like to have them as a referral and write it up? But I have done it in the past. It's just more case by case. The people normally that want to say, hey, I don't want representation. We want to save whatever that realtor was going to bring. I think whatever the BAC that realtor would get, we want to save off the price. I think it's always trouble from the beginning. And those people, I usually say, well, you have to have all the forms. You have to fill it out correctly. I'm not coaching you. You're your own realtor. So you have to do your half of, of the thing. Otherwise, you're buying it from a realtor, <laughs> right? And I can refer you one, but I'm I'm really not a fan of taking those things on. And I know it's different strokes, different folks. Can I tell you when I see, let me jump in here real quick, just where I see the most problematic situations on dual agency is if there's a multiple offer situation. I think that's when it gets really dicey, in my opinion, because it's really hard to imagine that as you are trying to represent a buyer buying your listing, and there's other buyers that want your listing as well that somehow you're trying to maximize for the seller the most money possible and not just get your buyer's house through. So that's where, and I'm not I'm not here to, I'm not judging anyone. I'm not saying not to do it. I'm just saying that's when all, all agents' antennas should go up and they should be really cautious. Tread very carefully because you could get yourself into some trouble there. What were you gonna say, Justin? Yeah, I was gonna say that, again, I think if you can go in and say, can I really provide the best service, help these people get what they want. Sometimes it's, again, it's just more psychology than them actually wanting a better price, right? And actually just like, ask yourself the question of like, can I really provide all parties that are relying upon me that I can get them the best possible outcome in the situation? If the answer is yes, then I think that's where you say yes. But, but again, to the examples you guys have shared, I agree that gets super dicey when you're conflicted, right? And there's yeah. actually yeah. two people yeah. can't win at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it is psychological. Sometimes people just want a W in their column, right? And if you can identify that and figure it out, you could march forward and it's a win-win-win for everybody. But some of those people that are wired that way are, you know, trying to save on every every time there's a corner, they want to like save on that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. It can be a red flag for sure, right? You've got you're inviting somebody who's going to be problematic throughout the transaction into your world. Yeah. Yeah. 
I've I've noticed and appreciated a little bit in the higher end markets where properties are super complex. Well, two things. First of all, properties are super complex and buyers are super savvy. And there there is a little bit more of a tendency for agents to be on both sides because those savvy buyers who who know their stuff and have bought and sold many homes and are very comfortable running the the transaction, going into a transaction, they like going to the straight to the person who knows everything about that house, has all the answers. They don't necessarily always want to go grab another agent who then has to educate themselves on the property and then regurgitate it back to them. So, you know, if the property's been on the market for a while and there's only one buyer and there's only one seller, you can find, you know, you can find the win-win oftentimes. And it does help. In my case, usually there's one agent on each side of it on my team members, right? I'm usually behind the scenes, but you know, one agent's representing the buyer, one agent's my co co-list on the on the listing itself. That helps put a little bit of a firewall there. But, you know, just to put a cap on this, the buyer's never going to know. They're never going to see the closing statement that says how much commissions were. And, and I'm not advocating that you lie to them, but just a healthy approach here is just say, look, I'm here to find the win-win. Yes, a lever I can pull, a mechanism I can use is to reduce commissions to make my seller happy and, and figure out how to get everybody what they want. So, you know, let's see what we can do here. And and just leave it generic like that. If they keep badgering me, I'm, I'm I just say, look, you know what I'm doing with my seller. If they keep badgering me beyond that, like say later on as the re- offer is getting negotiated, I would just say, look, what's happening between me and my seller is between me and my seller. I've already told you that I can do that, and and I'm willing to do that if necessary. And- One other positive is with some of the real estate transactions I had where it gets accepted and then that broker is you know MIA right to control both sides you all always know where you are you can always get a hold of yourself you're always going to do your half of the work sometimes if you're in a transaction with a bad person on the other side who doesn't do their job or very confrontational then gosh by all means do it yourself and i think that's another factor too who that realtor would be on the other side if it isn't you doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Okay. New York style, right, Joe? Let's New talk York about the style. gang referrals. Gang okay. referrals. You, 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 you tee that one up. Okay, I will. So I wrote this and it's probably easier if I just read it real quickly than paraphrase it. It'd probably be faster. The title is Gang Referrals and it starts out, I don't really know what to call them since there isn't a coined term for it yet, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You go to a group and ask for a listing agent or a selling agent far away from the Pacific Northwest, and then all of a sudden you get 20 people from the same franchise recommending one person from their company. Is this person really awesome, you wonder? We don't really know this person spots the post first and then tells 20 of their friends to immediately recommend them for the job, we don't really know if it's credible or not. And then it just kind of goes on that it doesn't seem very credible if I say, hey, I need a listing agent for somebody in Florida. And then inside of two minutes, there are 20 people that recommend the same agent in Florida. And then it we went on to learn a little bit. They they call them like referral clubs and they call them 
referral pods and and there's all kinds hmm. of different names for it but but it's a real thing people have it on their whatsapp they have a big group of all their people and whoever spots the post first they say ooh masters in real estate or you know lab code agents or whatever it is go in and refer me on this one and then i got you on the next one what do you think about that yeah i mean i think it's uh, yeah, go ahead, Justin. I was going to yeah. say, I think it, I mean, it's it's smart, right? But I can't say that I love the ethics of it. I, I think what people are looking for is not who has the biggest team to be able to to vouch for you because they're because you know they're doing you a favor, and so you're going to do them a favor in return. Like I, I don't, I don't love it. I think people are looking for is a real, genuine, great agent who they can refer. This is not meant to be a, a shameless plug, but <laughs> it's going to sound like one. And but at Pro Insight, that's what we're building, right? Is a network across the country that people are, they have to go through a certification to be there to where you can't get this artificial bump. So outside of that, I, I do think that people are looking for authentic reviews, they're looking for authentic feedback, looking for good, authentic, great agents. And I would be suspicious. Like if I were an agent and I saw that, I'd be like, it seems awfully coincidental that all of you were available in this moment to give kudos to these agents. So yeah, I, I would question it. hundred percent, I'd question you, it. You think... I mean, let's just break this down. Like, I, I don't know anything about this. I, I really don't. I have seen stuff like this that, and, and I understand where your suspicions are, Joe. Do you think they're taking turns? Like, what's in it for the guys giving the referral? Is it like you get this one, then the next one I get? Somebody made a comment about downlines. Maybe, maybe they're, you know, they're affiliated with the same company and. Well, so you have guesses uh, here. Louis, Louis Garabay says they're called fangirl clubs is what I've heard it called too. They're usually a private Facebook messenger groups. Uh, and as soon as they see someone in the area, they have a quote referral agent and they drop the URL in the group chat. And then everyone goes and then posts and ranting and raving about how awesome this person is. You know, honestly, if they like, <laughs> just edit it that down to just maybe like two people like yeah you know, if 20 people all say <laughs> you know steve nassar is the best person in the world best listening agent best selling agent commented by steve's mom and dad right uh, oh, stop, stop. yeah you wonder yeah that's right no no <laughs> stop you really wonder about the credibility i think they would be better off if they just had maybe like two people hey you should try this yeah. guy he's good that's it you know, uh -huh. let them discover it themselves. What's in it for them is that somebody else is doing it in return for them, right? Like, hey, this is my zip code. I'm going to send this out and, and I want to- Got it. Got I'm it. Got it. Like, so they're not in the same- So it's a network of some sort, all in- So they're not competing in, in similar areas. One's in Texas, one's in Florida, one's in California. When there's something on a group going, who's, who's in California that you like? They all say- the California person. And then they just have this like, arrangement that they do that. Interesting. I, I, guess, I guess. Okay. I see why they're doing it, but yeah, it's whatever, whatever. It, anyway. I think it just hurts the credibility of everything. Yeah. Uh, and, Google and reviews, Yelp, yeah, yeah. all of the online stuff. I mean, it's, it's easily identifiable when 10 people immediately recommend the same person from the other side of the United States they are all tuned into masters every day at the same time, you know, or whatever group they're, yeah. it just, yeah. it's so artificial. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, while we're talking about referrals, and I think you posted this at one point. It might have been a few months ago, Joe. I kid you not, here and now today, and for the last few months, maybe longer, every day I get three, four texts a day going, are you looking for referrals? We pay 20% referral fee. Could you handle more business in, in your practice? And I, I get two or three of those a day. What is the model there? Like, why are they... Referrals are easy to give away. Why do they need to spam me? Like, aren't there people that want these referrals? I don't want them. I, I and I, I think it's a scam of some sort. But what is the scam? Didn't you post about this, Joe? Yeah, Justin. What What are your thoughts? You're You're techie. You know. You know the little bots crawling around out there. What do you I mean, think? My guess is that that's not actually what they're offering. That's to I, get I your agree. attention. They're going to sell yep. you something on the back end, right? Yep, I agree. I agree. I'm I'm curious if any agent, and by the way, we're, we are live on Masters. So if any of you have ever reached out and said, yes, send me referrals, what do I need to do? I would love to know what happened. Because my guess is there's probably an upfront $1,000 cost or something to get into some program or something. That would be my guess as well. I agree. And, and so. so I did post about this. You're absolutely right. And I do get two or three a day, but here's one other thing. I think we can all speak to this as all of us are owners of our own company, you know, in, in, in what we do, where someone says, hey, I'm Joe, I'm in a conference and I can't talk, but I really need $500 worth of gift cards and $50 yeah. increments. Please, everybody know, I will never ask for that. You know, I might say, hey, we're out of beer. I would really need cold beer or or anything. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for Target gift cards. Steve won't. Justin won't. Just know that. Do not fall for that, please. Be very, very cautious on everything. There's another scam out there now via text where somebody will text you and they'll say something along the lines of, hi, Susie, it was so great to see you yesterday or something. And then you'll reply and go, I think you have the wrong number. And then they'll go, oh, you're so very nice. How is your day going? And they're just trying to start a conversation with you. There's just so much craziness out there. The other thing that recently happened, one of my seller clients was getting ready to paint his house. This is a wire fraud advisory cautionary tale. Getting ready to paint his house and the he, he picked a painter and the painter and him were corresponding and he got an email with wiring instructions from the painter he sent he sent $20,000 to him it was gone it was a it was hacked it was it was a it was a scam so wire fraud is not just in real estate it is in the service providers as well be careful anytime you're wiring funds to anybody that you're doing work with and and again do that voice to voice trusted call prior Good stuff, right? And and so, also okay. be care be careful because some of these people that call, they're recording you and they ask you a layup question where you say yes, and then they ask you a different question where you say no, and then they have your vote voice saying yes and no. And the the other scam is they have a bot just call everybody. And if you answer, you ever answer your phone and nothing's there? Well, they know that you answered, so they know that that's a valid phone number. So when they do their creepy crawler thing and blast everybody, they know that that's a valid number. There's all these scams out there. I don't pretend to understand them all, 
just be very careful and really step back and think about what they're asking if you think it's legit or not. You you know who did that to us a few years back, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blast them on here, is HomeSnap. I don't know if you guys have heard of HomeSnap, but yeah, yeah, one of the worst expenditures I've ever made in my career in real estate was to HomeSnap, and what happened was, and they were they were affiliated with RMLS for a while, and I don't think they are anymore. But that that was different. I actually engaged with them did a Zoom just like this. And they told us, you know, it'll be this amount of spend and you'll get this and this and this. And never signed a document. But to your point, Joe, they record, I think they said they recorded the Zoom and they said, we have you saying yes. And it was a few thousand dollars a month. And it was the absolute worst garbage leads we ever had. And after about a month or two, I just said, hey guys, Thanks. I'm glad you let me try this, but we're not interested. We we just want we just want our money back, or you know, we want to stop the program. And they go, No, we have you on recording. You said you said you agreed to it, and and so I had to play out some crappy contract for a few more months, and I ended up spending ten fifteen thousand dollars. Never got one decent lead out of them. So beware of that. That was a couple of years ago, and I was just, yeah, it was it was pretty horrific. Okay. Anyway, let's go on. Don't use home snap. That's the <laughs> motto. That's terrible. I that think is I've really seen truly other posts terrible. On masters about that, by the way. I've seen other posts on masters. And I think I made a, a comment on one of those threads. I was always curious if that was worth it or not. Okay, next one. Yelena Stone on June 14th said, it's okay to have less than 2,000 characters in public remarks. Just letting some people know. I love this one. I love, love this one. And it's a short one, right? Her comment is super short and and it's super funny and powerful. So I want to say three months ago or so, RMLS made two big changes. They allow you more photos. Now I think it's what, 48 photos you're allowed to have? 48. Which it was 32 before. And all of a sudden, you can have a lot more characters. It used to be... And I kind of miss these days. I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of miss these days because it made people be very diligent in what they're writing in their comments, right? Like I used to joke that the real estate in public comments is precious, is is very limited and very precious, right? So literally, you'd be putting in your public comment description and sometimes you'd get to the very end and you just had a couple characters too many. So you're kind of squishing a couple characters. You're you're condensing yeah. a word. You're, take, you're, you're taking out a space but, and you're just going to have a period in no space. Well, three months ago, those days were long gone. And RMLS came out with a new iteration. And I, I get it. I think I think maybe they went a little too extreme. But they came out with a new iteration where it's like buying desert land in texas (laughs) the the real estate is not precious anymore it's not rare it's it's plentiful so you can put in as many characters and as many words as you want and so i am i've been going on listing appointments and i'm printing out some of the you know some of the client folds of some of the the comparables and and you're seeing and i'm I, i know we're on a podcast some of it's video some of it's not i'm holding my I'm holding my fingers about a foot apart, some of these public comments, maybe six, eight inches long. 
And I'm just going to caution people that less is more. Less is more in this regards when the average people, and, and this applies to masters too. If somebody goes on masters and you write a thread and it's seven inches long or you know a foot long and it's 3,000 words, there's a high likelihood, whether that's a comment or the post itself, there's a high likelihood that you're at best going to be skimmed and maybe not even that. People just look past you. And, and I just think that's going to be true in our world with public comments. It's overwhelming and people just glaze over. Well, what case you, in what point, thoughts, I mean, case in point, one of the most active comments this entire month was one sentence, maybe two. <laughs> right? I mean, it yeah. just like lends itself to the point. I think what's happening is that people have found chat GPT and they're like, write me a listing description that's 2000 characters. And it's just word salad. You know, I mean, if we've, all, I think there's some brilliant things you can do with that. But if you're just using this AI without going back and proofing it and saying, is this actually helpful? Is this actually beneficial? Or am I just filling up space? I would caution you against that because I agree. People's eyes glaze over when there's more than needed. I yeah. agree. And, and so there's more to it. And I want to give kudos to RMLS. They're always trying to better their system for us. But there's a little mm -hmm. behind the scenes that unless you're a realtor, you may not know. So their upgrades were 2,000 characters, 48 HD photos. You could have up to 15 PDFs uploaded that are up to 10 megabytes each. One 10 megabyte PDF, especially if you put it through a reduced size, sizer, that could be like 500 pages, just that one PDF. We now have three virtual tours. And if you put a link and you put it in little bracket parentheses, if you put that in private remarks, it will make it an active link. But I think you can only do it in private remarks unless it's unbranded. And then I think you can do it in the public remarks, but you have to put those brackets and around it to make it a live link. According to George Perkins, I haven't tried it yet. So look, just because it's like going to a salad bar, just because they have a hundred different things doesn't mean you have to like try and eat all of them, right? Let's just, <laughs> let's just focus on the important and, you know, move on with it. I, I'm guilty. I, I threw some remarks through the chat GPT more just for sport, you know, to, hey, let's see what it spits out. And, you know, I've used my 2000 and I'm guilty. I do use all the photos, but honestly, we have enough information to list a ranch with outbuildings and implements included and all kinds of stuff. But if you list the average rectangle ranch style box or small townhome, you don't need anything close to this. And so don't try and think that you're doing a better job by filling in more space. Just I agree. Get to the including point. Including the photos, including the photos. I mean, there is a lot of homes you don't need 48 photos of. Exactly. I'm sorry. Yep. You don't need four, four photos of the same room, right? I, I mean, and it, there's some small homes by the time you do a couple, you know, a couple of the front, a couple of the back, some of the interior that, you know, 30 was right. It was the right number. 32 was the right number. Maybe, maybe 35. It's nice that they gave us that op ability, but it doesn't mean you need to use it every time. I think I've talked about this on our podcast. So on my team, we have a book club. We have a monthly book club where we read a book together and we get together, have a happy hour in our office and some snacks. And we talk about it. 
we're we're wrapping up. We have a couple more months left with the Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs biography. Oh, and good. Lots of great stuff. Very interesting. Very fascinating story. One of you know the most successful business of our generation, right? Two trillion dollar company, almost three trillion, I think. One of his sayings was, "Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication," and they explain that in the book. And one of what they say is, for something to be simple you really have to understand it. And they use an example. I have my iPhone in front of me. You know, one of the things Steve Jobs wanted was there not to be any screws visible on the iPhone, right? If you if you look at your iPhone, there's no screws that are on it, whereas phones prior, they'd have these screws on the back. Now, it's simple, it's less, but you have to really understand the inner workings of the phone and how how it's possible to make it so that there's no screws. The same, I would say, is true of a listing, right? We take your listing, what makes it great, and condense that and make it simple. It's actually harder than writing 2,000 words about your listing. That's my recommendation. Writing 2,000 words about your listing is easy. What's really, really challenging and really sophisticated is to write, you know, 300 words about that same listing that are powerful, just like Yolanda Stone. It's okay to have less than 2,000 characters in the public remarks, just letting people know. Very simple, very humorous, and it gets the message across, right? She she could have written 2,000 words talking about you know what we're saying, but it wasn't it wasn't necessary. It got the point across very quickly and concisely. One of my favorite lines on this topic is. I didn't have time to write a one-page paper, so I wrote a two-page paper. <laughs> that's a great line. Yeah, I've never heard funny. that before, but that's good. Yeah. Also, yeah. along the lines of of knowing something so well, when you truly know something well, you can teach it, right? Yeah. And and so brevity is important, and I agree. I still love the capability that we could use more if we need to. Every once in a while, there's those properties that really need more. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. We don't have to blow it up for every single yeah, property. Yeah. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. So, oh, this one's fun. This one's juicy, juicy, juicy. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Joe pointed this one out yesterday and I was, I read it this morning. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So this is from Nikki. It reached, it reached over 5,000 people, 5,500 yeah. people almost. It's mind boggling. What what you see here is mind boggling that, that she got this. So Nikki Eckerd Campbell on June 2nd posted this. She said, ouch, I wish I could say this email from a fellow broker was less painful than it was. Just a reminder, we're all in this together. So please let's treat everyone with kindness and respect. I have also been selling in the area for a long time and feel there can be more than one area specialist. So Nikki apparently lives in Cedar Hills is what I saw here. Yeah, she lives in Cedar Hills and apparently she's been farming the area and saying that she's an area specialist. Okay, no, no, nothing wrong with that. And she got an email and obviously she protected the person who sent it, but the person said, she screenshotted the email and she said, Dear Ms. Campbell, I am very aware that everyone has a right to make a living and nobody owns a neighborhood. 
However, I have been a Cedar Hill specialist realtor since 1985. I bet it'd be really easy to find out who this is, by the way. <laughs> I'm just going to put this out there. I've sponsored the big Cedar Hills 4th of July parade since 1992. There's one way. And also a Christmas light show. Handed out calendars door to door to 1,500 families and emailed 2,000 newsletters a month. The card I just received in the mail says, you've been my Cedar Hills specialist for 20 years. Really? Question mark. 20 years? Question mark. I've lived here since 1991, and I don't remember ever seeing any of your listings. I'm sure there have been some I don't remember. There is another agent that has lived in the, this neighborhood a long time that also does very well. The people in the neighborhood know we've been here for a long time, and our names are a household word. The neighbors won't be impressed to see you claiming you've been our Cedar Hills specialist for 20 years. Nikki who question mark Jacob who question mark as mentioned go make a living everyone deserves it try not to piss off the good agents that live here <laughs> wow what do you what do you what do you say <laughs> masters is really supportive of one another and posts where people are behaving badly or people doing things wrong <laughs> We really support each other. The other big topics are like safety issues where people are maybe feel unsafe or some creeper accosted them. And another big one is Zillow inaccuracies, whether it's a Zestimate or your listing, they got it wrong on the listing. But this falls under the behaving badly. You know, it makes me think, I don't know what the quote is, but a lion doesn't turn his head when a dog barks. Or a lion doesn't have to prove to a sheep that he's king of the jungle. It's kind of like if this person really owned that neighborhood and did everything, yeah. they yeah. wouldn't care. I mean, they'd shake their head and say, oh, this this poor broker spent this money on this mailer and, and it's all the listings and buyers are going to be mine. They would probably laugh it off. But, yeah. but to shoot something to them, I thought was bad form and... I want to hear Justin's opinion, but I, I did comment on it and I've never had 90 30 comments. There were 230 comments. Wow. Yeah, which is a lot. And I've made one comment. I didn't even read the whole thing. I made one comment. I had 92 people react to my comment, which it's it's still the same as it is today. So I'll read it to you when I find it. But Justin, what do you think? I mean, I think you guys have nailed it, right? You only send that kind of comment to somebody out of scarcity and yeah. feeling threatened. And obviously mm -hmm. this, this agent, I would encourage them to say, you're doing something like the one that got hammered. It'd be like, Hey, you're doing something right. The fact that you've got somebody who's, who's been an area expert for, you know, 35, almost 40 years to have them come at you like that. Just know that you said something that's getting the attention of people. And I would absolutely shrug it off. And I think this is not the good old boys club, right? It's not like may the best agent win and it uh, doesn't matter tenure. And if ten tenure is part of it, like no doubt. Now, I also think that you need to represent yourself honestly and truly. And, you know, how you define neighborhood expert is a kind of a loose term, right? Maybe you lived in the area, maybe you were raised in the area and now you just got your license, but you're legitimately know a lot about the area. I, I mean, to, to each their own, I think, but it, it does smell to me that someone is scared. Like someone is afraid they're going to lose something and that there's not enough for everybody. And I think the minute that we as an industry go down that path, we start to cannibalize ourselves. And it's like, no, like there's plenty to go around, like good for you. Right. In fact, maybe hire that agent or maybe look at 
at selling your business to them at some point. Like, like look at all the opportunities, you know, don't be so scared of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're listening while driving and you, and you can't read what we're reading, I want to tell you that Nikki graciously redacted this person's name and email and made it completely anonymous, right? Which is is very respectful and a class act. It's like, I'm not here to blast this person and get everyone on my side. She's like, I'm just going to put this out here because it's taking up real estate in her mind and she's grinding about it and losing sleep. And she, 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 was pretty torn up about it. And she got an overwhelming support from everybody. And I kind of came, she contacted me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about posting this, obviously redacting everything. Do I have permission? What do you think? And, and I said, sure, just, you know, make sure she's this person, he or she is not identifiable and, you know, be respectful and be professional. And so the day went by and then I jumped in way later. And anytime I make a comment when I haven't read all the above comments, I always make note of it. So I, if I'm repeating something or, or somebody clarified something, but I had 92 reactions to my comment and I'm going to read it to you because I just found it. It says, I just saw this and haven't read all of the above yet. I said, thank you for redacting their name and company. That is awesome. I imagine that's what the black and gray bars are in the email. I kind of more so said that if people didn't know what redact meant, but that's what the gray bars were. She redacted everything. It isn't about you frying this person for bad behavior. It's about this, quote, type of person. I believe there's enough real estate for everybody. I also believe that we never fully know what is happening with other people. So I like to give a small benefit of the doubt there too. I like to think we all cooperate with one another instead of compete. I'm sorry you had to get this nasty gram and I'm sorry this took up real estate in your brain. I appreciate your posting because this all reminds us to be kind to one another. I hope after this that you don't give this email another thought. This really kind of tore her up. I mean, I talked to her about it and it it really weighed on her. And you know, when you have one of those things that you just can't get out of your mind, and I'm sorry she had to go through it, but look, what if this unknown person just was told that they're diagnosed with you know pancreatic cancer or had some horrible news? We don't know. And I really don't want to blast them. I don't think it's great behavior, but you know, I don't know what they're going through either. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. That one, that one was interesting. Okay. Let's go on to the next one, boys. Uh, Big yep. That is. It. So do this it, is it. Lynn Katniss, June 27th. Big repair indoms back in style in this market. Are you seeing buyers asking for every single little thing that comes up in inspections? In general, who's required to get all the bids? Do you dump an extensive repair addendum on listing agents and expect them, the seller, to pay for the bids and do all the work meetings, all the contractors? Or do you, as the buyer's agent, set that up and pay for the contractors and meet them at the property? As you know, the seller usually ends up giving a credit and the contractor never gets the job, which is why they charge for their time. I'm talking about the Portland metro market, not a multiple offer situation, 10-year, new home, one owner. 
Definitely a couple. There's there's a few thoughts in this. I'll I'll start here if if that's okay. First of all, yes, repair denims are back. In fact, I have a six hundred thousand dollar house and just got a thirty thousand dollar repair denim this week, which is a lot, right? Five percent, and we're negotiating through that. So I mean, they are back in a big way. I don't know that I agree that everybody, every contractor charges for their time. I think that's part of our job is to have those great relationships. And part of having those great relationships is making sure they get work, right? Whether our buyer does it then or not, we need to be making sure that the people that are adding value to our business are getting work and not just using and abusing them because you're going to, you're just going to have a, you know, a slaughterhouse of contractors that never call you back one after the next. And then you will be in a bad spot and people are going to charge you to do bids. Now, I'm sure there are certain, there are certain contractors out there that will charge, you know, maybe electricians and and specialists like that to just simply show up. And, And that's understandable. And I personally also think, I think if it's a meaningful request, so in other words, if it's not 300 bucks, if it's $3,000 they're asking for, I almost feel like both sides should have a bid or or you should have a good feeling for the person that got the bid for the other side. Maybe it's a company that you know and trust and you're like, okay, we know them. They, they're, they're usually pretty reputable. What are your thoughts, you two? So because we had a, a supply chain issue that COVID affected And because trying to get contractors to get out there in a timely manner to give us a bid and do the work and have the materials and fit it in all before closing and then have it reinspected to make sure it was done right, I just really try and get a realistic bid and I try and handle it monetarily. And it's like we have enough red flags and, and, you know, trying to get it to appraise, to value and condition. And there's all these things we're already juggling, let alone getting a stream of contractors in there to get work done before closing. Let's figure out what the work costs to get done, close it, credit them that money, and then they hire those people. And by the way, I have no problem with roofers or whoever coming out and saying, Hey, for me to come out here and do this like inspection, it's $225. But if you know you do get a new roof, we're going to knock that off of the cost. No problem mm-hmm. with that. They need to treat mm-hmm. their business like a business. I don't want to use yeah. anybody, yeah. but having a, a number that everyone agrees on is far better than trying to put all those mechanics in play all before closing. I I do agree with that, Joe. I do agree with that. I prefer credits wherever and whenever possible. 100%. 100%. For for the simple reason that if you have a sale fail and the financing falls in the 11th hour, now you've got done a bunch of work to the house that maybe the the, the next buyer is not going to appreciate and is not going to accept and is going to want other work done instead. So that and and everything else you said. But that's and that's why I was saying it's important that if we if we have valuable relationships with service providers and contractors even if we're closing and giving a credit, we should be encouraging our clients to, to use them after the fact or other clients, right? Other clients. I have a contractor many times. I'll call them up and I'm like, I don't think you're going to get any work here, but I need your help. I just need to wrap my head around what's going on with this deck. Can you meet me there? He's happy to do it because I'm, I'm making it, you know, dumping other business on him that, that makes that worthwhile for him, right? 
Yeah, I would add to that. I mean, my former life, I was a general contractor developer for almost a decade. And I know that one of the more valuable things that I could provide to my clients was subcontractors that were willing to step up big when I needed them. And I think as real estate agents, we become more valuable, less replaceable. Our margins remain intact when clients, our clients know that we can, we can make phone calls and things happen. And so I think one way to look at this is this is part of the way that we add value to our clients is by building these relationships, being sure that, that they do come and that we do follow through and get them paid. As you mentioned, Steve, you know, that you, it's, mm-hmm. you can't call in too many favors for too long without it going both ways before you lose all of your influence to be able to get them to, to help future clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, uh, the last thing I have to add there is the only reason to do something prior to closing if there's a what if, hey, your sighting's shot, get rid of the sighting. Well, you don't know if the subsighting is shot until you get rid of that sighting. So if there's a potential just rat nest of more problems once you get into it, you kind of yeah. have to get into it. If it's just stupid stuff that, hey, it's a it's 2,500 bucks, no matter how you slice it, crawl space work or whatever, then just get the credit and do it on your own time. Yeah, I love it. I agree, Joe. And that's great advice for our, and that's what's wonderful about masters is we all are able to talk this stuff through, both through the through the group and this podcast as well. And we're able to make our all of our lives easier. We're hopefully, right? It's not gonna be everyone, but if the if the majority are understanding the rationale by about why it is better to do credits. Now, the other reason, then 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 it helps us all. The other reason, there is one other exception, and that is if a buyer has little cash, is putting little down, and is already maximizing their closing costs, then there's really not a way to give them a credit that ends up being a dollar for dollar in their pocket. So if the house needs a new roof, and that's, say, $20,000, and they don't have the $20,000, and there's not, I mean, lowering the price $20,000 is simply just going to lower their mortgage payment 50 bucks, right? It's not going to give them enough to put a new roof on the house. So sometimes you have to work through those ones as well. But yeah. So anyways, let's move on. I to like the it. One. I like it when you talk with your hands, because for those watching you on video, it looks like you're doing the podcast while Hurricane Ian is going on <laughs> in the background. Your camera's bouncing so much. A sign of a, a energetic podcast, that's for sure. Passionate there Steve, you go. Right there. there you go. Okay, Joan uh, Rogers. Joan, Joan Rogers. Pitt. Joan go Rogers. Ahead. I'll read it. Yep. First of all, I really appreciate Joan. She's great. She participates in Masters a lot, and she makes a couple of those polls where you know we can all vote. And I like um, these. This I is, don't even know how to do it. I don't yeah, even know how to do it's, one. It's I'm short and sweet. She says, "If you see that a listing is a listing agent, a company for showings." are you less likely to show it? And then she gave a couple less likely to show 6%. It doesn't matter was 78%. It depends on who the agent is and how annoying they may be. (laughs) Uh, 2% depends on how much notice is needed. 5%, which I thought that would have been a higher number. I like it. It gives me a chance to meet the agent. And then there's a couple more that are printed. I got to click on the see more. Oh, depends on how easy it is to schedule. That's kind of redundant. 
2%, not less likely to show, but annoying because now I have to explain it to my client and coach them on what not to say, 4%. And then it would depend on how serious my clients were and if the property fit their search criteria. So overwhelmingly, 78% doesn't matter. said it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Interesting poll. I'd never really thought about it. I'm glad she did it. And I think it shows what I would have expected, which it doesn't matter, the vast majority. But yeah, no, it was interesting. It was interesting. Hey, Joe, you 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 just put a big $4 million listing into escrow. I have a question for you on this line. So yes. you were, and you showed, you showed a two and a half million dollar property of mine out in Stafford and we met you out there and showed it to you. Oh and yeah. Obviously agent accompanied. So you've been doing a lot of agent accompanied showings with this client of yours. What do you do from a process procedure standpoint when you show up? Do you let the agent guide the tour? Do you send them off to the corner and say, here, I'll find you if we have questions? I'm just curious. How do yeah, you approach I'm, that? I'm glad you asked that. I love it when people are there. As long as we can herd cats and, and we can show it in a reasonable amount of time and it's not like, hey, the Thursday, the third Thursday of the month, I can show it to you. But if we can get there quickly... I always kind of, the the listing agent always sort of comes to me hat in hand. I normally get there first and it's like, hey, I'm I'm just going to like introduce myself, let you know that I'm available for information and then I'm going to piss off and go into a different room. And I'm like, hey, look, why don't you give us a tour? You know this property almost as well as the owners or maybe even more. It's a valuable asset that- I agree. I agree. I'm the same. We way. show I'm up, the same all way. the lights yeah. are on, the windows are open, yeah. the doors are open, the fountains going yeah. and they know things like I, I can't, I don't have x-ray vision. I don't know that they have geothermal, you know, going on underneath the ground. I don't know all of these things. And I'm like, please talk to us. Like it's an open house. Talk to us. Yeah. Like we're your buyers. Yeah. We want to know what you know. And they're like, Oh, okay, cool. Great. And, but I really do like it. And nobody has crossed any any yeah. borderlines. I'm never even worried about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm a thousand percent with you. And our experience is most agents prefer it that way. But you do, you will get some really guarded agents once in a while who will kind of be standoffish and say, no, 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 we'll show it to them. But it's rare. It's rare. So yeah, interesting. Good perspective. You know, I'll just add, I think that's the one of the key messages of this group right? It's not competition, it's collaboration. And I think I wouldn't have, wouldn't have expected any different response from, from either of you gentlemen, that there's, that that's how we become masters is we do it together. We don't do it by in our own little silos, trying to do it by ourselves and trying to outdo the person down there or trying to belittle other people. It's like, we're all better when we actually come together and work together in the service of clients. And so this ought not be any different. And, yeah. and to that point, Justin, you're absolutely right. So these people you know, we're in escrow in the $4 million range. I showed them 10 properties, only two of them were on the market. So, you know, you, you kind of talk to your closest top 200, top 500. And it's like, Hey, I got someone looking for this. What do you got? And everybody knows. And like, if I didn't have a listing or if I didn't have a buyer, I'd like, Oh, Hey, you know, I talked to Steve. Steve has a listing coming up that might be perfect. You should talk to Steve. And I've had 
people do that for me. Errol Bradley said, hey, Joe, Steve Wilkes is listing something in Antioch Downs. You should talk to him. And we got to see it before it hit the market. And we got to see all of these and, and only two of 10 actually were on the market. And that's where the collaboration comes in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a comment from one of our users here. Melissa from, from Miglio. I asked the buyer's agent if they prefer I start the tour and let them walk through on their own after, or do they want to do a walkthrough first? Initially, I always lead the tour, but I was embarrassingly shot down by another agent in front of her buyers. So it is a good thing to ask. I agree. That's what she's saying. Don't just assume they want a tour. Just say, hey, we could do this a couple different ways. I'm happy to show you around, answer any questions, or you can look on your own and, and I'm available if you have follow-up questions and give them the option. But I think most will take the tour from our experience. Yeah. And I think I think having that conversation with the agent prior to getting to the house as a, That's as a, not a bad as idea for the client and having it look yeah. you know, either disorganized or get some response that's a little icy that you weren't expecting, but have that convo up front. Like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Is this, is this jive with you? Is this what you're thinking as well? Makes sense. Yeah. Hey, we've got one more. Let's close on Mark Schultz's. We got two Joe. more. Oh, two more. Okay. Let's close yeah. on Mark Schultz's. You do the other one. I think it's the FISBO one then, right? Oh, yeah. And we'll just burn through these. Okay. Rita Russo said, hey, these people called me over for a listing appointment and she went and looked at the house and then she was doing comps and such. And then I think she was going back. And the day before she went back to the listing, she saw online on social media, their house was up for sale via FISBO. And she's like, you know, what would you do? I got a text message on Sunday around noon from a, a past prospect who said they're finally ready to list their property and would like me to come over to, to discuss. Ideally, they want to meet the same day and I couldn't, but we agreed on Tuesday morning. Now, almost at midnight, I accidentally found out that they posted their property in a local group for FISBO and these people don't know that she saw it. And she's like, you know, what do I do? Do I go to the house? Do I not go to the house? 1000% uh, yes. <laughs> go to the house. They want to sell it. Yes. And they invited you there. Keep going, Joe. Yeah. And then she did post an update, which I love these too. She said, I met with yeah. the sellers. They didn't plan to tell me that they went FISBO and they tried to get my professional opinion on price condition, what kind of buyers I expect this house attracts, et cetera. They only admitted FISBO when I mentioned I saw their posts in a local group yesterday. So yes, occasionally we have people that are dishonest with us. If you have the ability to go somewhere for an appointment, take it because if they, they're going to find out that it isn't easy to sell a home, especially in our new market, especially as a FISBO and the people shopping FISBOs are the ones that want to save money as well, right? You have two people fighting for the same commission savings and guess who's first in line? She is. So mm -hmm. I would always mm -hmm. go to the meeting, but I'm sort of a no bullshit guy. I would just say, Hey, look, I saw your post on social media yeah. that yeah. you're doing <laughs> by, by owner and, you know, Tell me more, right, Justin? You know, what are your plans here? Are you? What if you don't sell it? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Are you going like to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I had a, I had a unique one the other day. This has never happened to me before. I got an inquiry. I, 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 I forget now if they called in or if it was a website hit. 
they said it was a nice house in right across the river in Vancouver, close to the river, actually, not on it, but close. $1.6, $1.7 million. And they were pending. Like they're like, hey, we're we're we we'd like to talk to you. We'd like to interview you. We're we're wanting to list our house with you. And we look it up and it and it's pending. And so that was an interesting conversation. And turns out that they had been with another agent. They had gone into escrow. The deal died, and it was still marked as pending. And they had kind of put the agent off, like don't don't move it to active yet because we we want to figure out what repairs we need to do to go back on the market but they also had a the agent had a anytime cancellation policy they showed me their you know they they showed me their paperwork i said are you able to get out of your contract before i come over to you they said yeah his can his policy it's in the contract says you cancel at any time no if i you know if you're not happy with my service you can cancel any time so they were able to get out of it and and I got the listing. It's listed now. But just just inter- that was interesting, right? So along those lines, if a, if a seller is engaging with you and inviting you to their house, the best quality they can be showing is that they're a real seller. The worst quality they could be showing is they're not a real seller. So in her case, if they're FISBOing and they're they're on FISBO sites, they're a real seller. They they want to sell that place. Go go to the appointment. And to your point, Joe, get you know a lot of people who do FISBO start that way and then end up hiring an agent. So I would never be shocked or surprised if that's what was happening. I think it's more common than we we all know. Any final thoughts on that one? Let's move on. Okay, this one's going to be interesting because I'd like to just close this one out as a market recap too. So in other words, this is going to segue into just closing comments about what the current state is of this market. Okay, so this was Mark Schultz on June 30th. He said, here's a sobering statistic which may or may not drive you to drink this weekend. According to NAR, in the first six months of 2023, only 8% of agent members of NAR have sold four or more homes this year. Translated, 92% of agents have sold three or fewer homes in 2023. Perhaps it is time to rewrite the 80-20 rule. Joe or Justin, when do you guys have comments on that one? I'll go, go for ahead. it and you can wrap up. Yeah, I mean, I... There's no doubt that it's a that, that it's a challenging market, and it's always challenging relative to something else. And uh, you know there are agents who will make it, and they'll do just fine during this market. Typically, it's those agents who who don't get too caught up in the mass economics. We get more interested in the microeconomics of having conversations with potential buyers and sellers, and those who can lead them to them. And so. There's some things we just can't change. And one of those things that we can't change is the macroeconomics of what's happening in real estate. But your microeconomics, you can. So as long as you love real estate and you want to do this as a career and you believe that it's it's your best path, and I would I would just see the course. You know, some will say grind harder, you know, make more calls. My approach is always make more intelligent calls. Yes, be in conversations, but be in conversations with those who can lead you to life events that happen regardless of what's happening in, in the economy. That times like these, there are more divorces happening. Times like these, there are more homes that go into foreclosure. Like there's actually, in some segments, there's actually more opportunities than in up markets. So be intelligent and have more conversations, but the right conversations. For the 92% that sold three or fewer homes in the first six months, 
You can purchase the Upstream model on Amazon from Justin Stoddard, the author, and maybe sign up for some coaching. But that is shocking because there's a lot of, there's 92% of the people that are making an income that mirrors the poverty level. And, and I don't know what that looks like over, over 12 months, but we see these statistics. Mike Ferry or Tom Ferry or one of the Ferries said last month that 60,000 active brokers have let go of their license already. And this was like six months into the year, five months into the year. They just tapped out, right? I don't know the reason for posting that, but it, it is an interesting statistic and, and it's something that it's it's kind of fascinating to me. But I'll, I'll tell you something that you either know the phrase or you don't. And there's a phrase called that says, you can't coach fast, right? You can coach, you can do a lot of good with coaching, but you just, some things you have to have intrinsically you have to be born with. Like if someone said, Hey, Joe, Fostolo, get out there, block all of LeBron James shots and then dunk over him and then steal the ball. And like, no matter what, even on my best day, my abilities, it's impossible. And that cannot be coached into me. I think for a lot of these people, they could be better. They could read more, be more knowledgeable. They could get coaching and they can perfect it. But the fact of the matter is, it, it is such a skilled profession, especially now, that real estate really isn't for everybody. And that statistic kind of proves it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was reading some of these comments, and I mean, there's there's definitely people that are saying they're having their worst year ever. The, the thing for me is, last year was brutal. Like, the last six months of 2022 was, to me, it felt like that was the crescendo of the bad market. I feel like we're turning the corner and maybe turning the corner is the wrong way. What I've been saying lately is, you know, it's not a great market. It's not a terrible market. It's just, it's, it's okay. You, me and Brian Belairs were, were on a group thread, Joe, group yeah. texting. And I think Brian Belairs said on a scale of one to 10, what do you rate the market? And I said, it's like a five, maybe six. Right. So, but last year, the last six months of last year, I felt was like a two or three, like just everything was sluggish, especially in the higher end homes. So I don't know. I I, I guess my perspective is I, I'm a little bit more relieved that it's that it's better than that. I I see positive shoots. I mean, you know, inflation data seemed to be a little bit better. Rates got a little bit better this year. It, the consensus in the media and in the masses is that there's not going to be a, a, a massive recession or maybe one at all, and that housing has kind of recovered a little bit. So. I guess I'm a little surprised by some of these comments. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, definitely, like definitely different. Like it's definitely yeah. a different market than we're used to. Better in many ways. I agree. I sell as much real estate as I want to, as I have time to do. And I, I think it's great. And I think what people need to conceptualize, whatever success is to you, whether it's measured by a volume amount of, of closed sales annually, or if it's an annual, how much money you make, or if it's a number of units, whatever it is, if, if you want to sell 40 homes, just go get your 40. You can get your 40 in all markets. Just go get it. Or go get your 20 million or 30 million, or go get your couple hundred grand, whatever it may be. You can still get it. It is still achievable. 
it's just maybe you got to change your path and maybe change your strategy a little bit to adapt to the market on who you talk to. And as Justin would say, have more intelligent conversations and find the people that have a need rather than, you know, when the market changes, the same old stuff doesn't work so well anymore. You need to change with it. So Mm -hmm. I do Mm -hmm. see it correcting. I think we're artificially kept alive through low inventory. We still have low inventory and it's artificial because if you have 2.3, you know, absorption rate, but now it takes 46 days to sell a home instead of three days, we're getting more overlap. So it looks like we have more inventory and we really don't. That's what's keeping us afloat. But we're at seven and a quarter. Foreclosures are going up. Commercial shit its pants. Multifamily's not doing well. There's a lot of things. I have a market update I should send you, Steve, that talks about commercial, industrial, multifamily, foreclosure, and then the residential market. They touch a little bit on the job employment rate and things like that. I'm wondering if maybe we get to the cold and flu season when it's rainy and snowy and crappy and everything kind of traditionally slows down at that time. If maybe in 2024, we don't go back up again. Always a thought. You know, there's 92% of the agents that aren't doing well. We have to remember that 600,000 agents were added between what, 2008 and and now. And so we, we have to ask ourselves how many of those were actually here to build a career out of this and how many were here to just get a quick paycheck because it looked easy. And so, you know, I think those numbers are skewed that if you were to actually ask the professionals that are actually trying and their calendars and and work ethic would actually like reflect that, that they're trying, those numbers wouldn't be as 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 bleak, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you can't wait until the market's rough to, to go, okay, now I got to dig deep and build, you know, take care of my database, start calling people, start networking, uh, like, like you guys promote Justin. That's not the time to start all that stuff. You needed to have been doing that stuff. Even when, even in 20 and 2021, when we were slammed and busy, you should have been still been doing that stuff. Because if you start now, first of all, most people now don't have the the resources to do it. They don't have the money to do it. And and they don't have the, the, the runway to wait for it to start working. It takes years for that stuff to start working. I advertise in Luxury Home Magazine, right? And, and here and now today, I get quite a bit of business from my advertising there. Do you know it took me three years to get my first lead from that? I mean, that's the type of that's, but that's real estate, right? That's real estate. People need to see you for a while, partly because they just don't need to do a transaction as part of it. And the other part is just, you know, familiarity. So waiting for the market to get a little rocky and go, okay, I better now deals aren't just falling in my lap. Time to start building my database, time to start calling people, time to start doing stuff. Okay. Well, that's going to be great three years from now. Good luck with that. Right. So. Yeah. Like someone once said, instead of a a market of convenience where you just got to get in the way of someone doing a real estate transaction, it's now sort of a specialty professional business. And when the market tightens up, that's not the time to say, gee, I got to figure out how to prospect. And gee, I got to learn all these platforms inside and out that I never took the time to do. And hey, I got to do all these things I've ignored because everything was plentiful. So exactly. That's what builds a better professional, and that's why it's more specialized. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, this was a great show, guys. 
Thank Great you, show. Justin. Great being Love with you. Love having you on. Congrats on the new gig and all that you have going on. All right, perfect. See, See you guys. Later, Thank you so guys. much. That was a great show. Thanks, guys. Yep. See you. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Portland Real Estate Podcast, Oregon and Washington's number one show for cutting edge real estate discussions. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to the members of Masters in Real Estate, a private and exclusive Facebook group, and the number one source for all real estate topics. Thanks for being there, gang. I love you. Finally, I want to thank our faithful listeners. Without an audience, we're just two guys talking to each other. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so the new episodes automatically come to you. Make it great. 